But let's pray before we get into the Word. Father, we pray now as we look into your Word, we ask for your help, Holy Spirit, to unpack your Word, to give us clarity, help each of us to arise, to be disciples, to be disciple-makers, and to be effective priests and kings. Speak to us, Lord, help us, Holy Spirit, for we commit our time to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> in this last part, to be an effective priest and king is all about living righteously. As we have learned over the years, righteousness is three things. It is right standing with God, right believing, and right living. And this is the part, living right. Okay. So, a quick recap, we are all told to be disciples, and uh, the text for this whole series is Mark 3, 14 and 15. Jesus called the disciples to be with Him. We are to build depth with Him. Uh, he called us to share the gospel, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. So every disciple is a priest and king. This is the heart of the DNA of BBTC. Every one of you, every one of us who are in BBTC, we are a disciple. And what is a disciple? We are a priest and a king. And we know that we are living in the end <clears throat> of the end of times. I'm now doing a whole series of preparation for starting from watch night this year. <clears throat> We're going to talk about looking for the blessed hope and building on this whole series on the time of the end. Uh, what's the difference between uh, the rapture and the second coming? What's the difference between the church and Israel? Uh, what is the difference between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord? All right? I'm going to go through all that uh, <clears throat> from watch night onwards into the month of January. And then the, to talk about the mysteries that Paul talked about. Uh, so in the last three, four months, the Lord has brought my attention to pay attention to all these things. And then for the rest of the pulpit, uh, I was just thinking through, uh, as you have learned on the lessons of the kings of Judah, uh, the Lord wants us to learn about the judges, to learn about the prophets, to learn about all the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. All right, we're going to go into all that uh, as we enter 2021. Assuming the rapture doesn't happen before that, okay? Uh, as I say, we're looking forward to it uh, within the next two to three years, or as long as within the next 12, 13, 14 years max. Why? Uh, we always quote the verse from the Gospels, uh, of the time of the day and the hour you do not know. We know that from the Gospels. But do you know there's another verse in Revelations? It says that those who don't pay attention, those who don't watch and pray, you will not know the day and the hour. But if you watch and pray, and with increasing revelation, the angel told uh, Daniel, these things you don't understand. Seal up, the, seal up the prophecy until the times of the end. Today we are living at the times of the end. That's why you see increasing lawlessness. And therefore the disciple, we will thrive. We are looking for the blessed hope. We are not like those people who are without hope. And the Bible says we comfort one another with this hope that we have. In looking for the Lord's return, all right? But that's the next series, okay? So the applications to be a priest and a king, what do we need to do? <clears throat> in the meantime, continually reach out to the lost. Don't give up. And we have learned uh, that evangelism can be effective. We just have to focus on these two key principles, relationship, relationship, relationship. This is the harder part, relationship with the person. And the other part is to pray strategic prayers. All right, resisting the devil, we talk a lot about that on the day-to-day -day basis, our thoughts taking it captive, the lies, the deception of the devil, uh, rebuking sicknesses and diseases. For some of us, it's a journey. All right, learn to take authority over our bodies, uh, the ache in our backs, uh, the migraine, the headache, uh, the day-to-day, -day, uh, asking the, for the word of the Lord to be released to strengthen our immunity. 
and then taking authority over our environment. Okay, living righteously to be effective priests and kings. In the Old Testament, and you find that increasingly we need to divide the word. Dividing the word means understanding the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. So in the Old Covenant, or we use the word in the Old Testament, under the law, living righteously is a salvation issue. For the Jews, for Israel, it is a salvation issue. Romans 10.5, Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. Leviticus 18.5, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. There are tons of scripture. I just finished last night uh, going through the whole book of Deuteronomy. He repeats it again and again and again. All right? Some more scriptures. Ezekiel 18, verse 4 to 9. The person who does what is lawful and right up to the point of death, his physical death, he shall live. It's a salvation issue. Ezekiel 18, verse 4 to 9. The soul that sins shall die. But if a man is just and does what is lawful and right, if he has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, nor oppressed a woman during her impurity, if he has not oppressed anyone, but has restored to the debtor his pledge, has robbed no one by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing. Verse 8, If he has not exacted usury, nor taken any increase, but has withdrawn his hand from iniquity and executed true judgment between men and men. If he has walked in my statutes and kept my commandments, my judgments faithfully, God says he is just, he shall surely live, says the Lord God. So in the Old Covenant, all right, living right up to the point of death is a salvation issue. And therefore you find continually in the Old Covenant the exaltation to live and to do right according to the laws of God. For example, what Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, therefore, O king, he was pride and then he was insane for seven years and so forth. He says, King Nebu, all right, let my advice be acceptable to you. Here is Daniel giving advice to the king. Break off your sins by being righteous. Break off your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Very important. Psalms 15 verse 1 and 2. Who may abide in the tabernacle? Who may dwell in the holy hill? He who walks uprightly and who works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Continual exhortation to do right. Um, Malachi 3 verse 3, The Lord is a refiner's fire. He is a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, they were the Levitical priests, all right, and push them as gold and silver, that they may what? That they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. He may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. So in the Old Covenant, the person who lives right, he has standing with God. Yes, standing with God means God is on his side. God will hear his prayers. Here is a psalmist in Psalms 18, King David. He says, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. It's the same principle in the new covenant. All right? If you're not living right, you can forget about our prayers being answered. So he says, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me. He has rewarded me. Why? Verse 21, Psalms 18, For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not wickedly departed from my God. 
Verse 22, for all his judgments were before me. He was conscious of the judgments of God, conscious of the laws of God, conscious of the instructions of God. And I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him. Now, in the old covenant, a person is blameless if he consciously seeks to obey the Lord. He's called blameless. Although we try to reconcile that with Romans 3, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no perfect person. Three persons I'm going to mention afterwards in the book of Ezekiel, all right? Uh, they were blameless, they were righteous, but they were not perfect because faults were recorded about them. Verse 24, Therefore the psalmist says, The Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in His sight. Genesis 15 verse 6, Abraham, he believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I'll mention three, four particular people. Job, we are very familiar with Job chapter 1, verse 1. Job was recorded that he was a man that was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. Right? So we know about Abraham, we know about Job, uh, we know about Noah. Noah found grace uh, in Genesis 6. He found grace and favor, favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then the, it was recorded that Noah was a righteous man, one who was just, he had right standing with God, he was blameless in the Amplified Version. The person who lived right has right standing with God. Now, in the Old Covenant, the person who sins, on the other hand, if he sins up to the point of death, and his sins are not under the blood, in the Old Testament, under the blood of the slain animals, he shall die. Ezekiel 18 went, went on to continue in the same chapter that the righteous man, he begets a son, but the son is a robber. He's a shadow of blood. He defiled his neighbor's wife. He has oppressed the poor and needy. He robbed by violence and not restored the flesh. He lifted his eyes to the idols and committed abomination. Verse 13, if he has exacted usury or taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live, the Lord declares. If he's done any of these abominations, he shall surely die. His blood shall be upon himself. You have time, I encourage you to read the whole chapter of Ezekiel 18. It spells out very clearly. The father, the son, the grandson, and so forth. Every soul is accountable for himself as to how he lived. Verse uh, point 0.5, the person's righteousness is for himself. <clears throat> he will be judged accordingly, and his righteousness cannot be transferred. And you find that in Ezekiel chapter 14, God cited three men as righteous. Noah, Daniel, and Job. But God says that they can only deliver themselves by their righteousness. It's repeated in verse 14 and 20, and verse 16 and 18. Even if these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord, they will deliver neither sons nor daughters. That means their sons and daughters... Each will be accountable for themselves. They cannot uh, bring them all together in the same boat, all right? Uh, only they would be delivered by their own righteousness. And we know from scriptures why Romans 3 uh, came about. There's none righteous, there's no one. Because in the case of Noah, we know that he committed incest, all right? Uh, in the case of Job, he was filled with self-righteousness and God rebuked him, all right? You read towards the, the last few chapters of the book of Job. There were only about three persons in the Bible where there was no record. No record doesn't mean that they were perfect and blameless. There was no record of anything that they did that was wrong. Joseph, all right, uh, Daniel, and then we learned from about King Jotham. 
So only these three persons where there was no record in scriptures or whatever they did that was wrong, specifically. So the person's righteousness is for himself. <clears throat> Ezekiel 18.20 The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. All right, basically the principle, the soul, their sins shall die. So in the old covenant, God desires for everyone to live righteously to be saved. Verse 23, all right, God wants him to turn from his wicked ways and live. Verse 30, God says, repent, turn from your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Therefore, turn and live. So God pleased with his people through the prophets, through the priests, all right? If they have sinned, repent, turn, bring it under the blood so that they can live. And this is consistent with the same uh, principle in 2 Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but all to come to repentance. God's desire is for everyone to be saved. Okay? That is the old covenant. Now, in the new covenant, or in the New Testament, under grace. The old covenant is under law. The new covenant is under grace. Our salvation is secured by our believing and confessing Jesus as our Lord. Many, many scriptures you're probably familiar with. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus, believe in our hearts, God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is grace. All right? We are living in the dispensation of grace. The dispensation of grace, the window of grace is from Pentecost all the way to the rapture. Before the church, the church is a new group of people. The church, the people who are saved, we are trophies of the grace of God. Not so in the old covenant. Which is why when you read the book of Hebrews, it says that the new covenant is based on better promises. The better promises is the mercy and the grace of God. Now, so all this is completely by the mercy and the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By grace, we are saved through faith. The grace of God is available for us, for us on our part when we believe and we receive the grace. It's all due to the mercy of God. Not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Romans 6.23 repeats this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. This is the gift of God. God reaching out to us. He gave His only begotten Son. And all we need to do is believe in our hearts, commit our lives to Him, and receive Him into our lives as our Lord and Savior, and be born again. And that's all. That's all that is required. This is the mercy and the grace of God. But this is only during this dispensation of grace, these 2,000 years, which is coming to an end. It's coming to an end. So in the past, at the beginning of time, there was only one group of people. They were called the Gentiles. God created them. And out of that one group of people, God made a covenant and called out through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a new nation called Israel. They were subsequently called the Jews. All right? And after that, that was based on the old covenant. And when Jesus came, He says, I will build my church. God created a new group of people called the church. So in this dispensation of grace, 
anybody, whether he's a Jew or Gentile, we are all Gentiles, Chinese, Indians, Eurasian, and so forth. When we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we are saved. We belong to the church. So in the early days of the church, the early believers that were part of the church were, were Jews, Messianic Jews. But because they continually rejected the Lord. All right, I will talk about that uh, next year. They rejected the Lord through when John the Baptist preached the, go the gospel of the kingdom. They rejected the Lord Jesus himself. They delivered him to the Romans to be crucified and to die. And they rejected the preaching of the servant, Stephen. And that was it. And then God called the apostle Paul, who was Saul then. So when you understand this and when you correctly divide the word, now it's all the mercy and the grace of God. And if you reject the mercy of God, which is why the wrath of God will come during the tribulation years, but after the church is raptured. Okay? So this is the mercy and the grace of God. <clears throat> this is the church age where all who call on the name of the Lord can be saved. All, whether you're Jew or Gentile today, every human being, Romans 1.16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone, every human soul who believes. Initially for the Jew, and then subsequently for the Greek or the Gentiles. So today, there are three groups of people. The whole of mankind, there are three groups of people. The Gentiles, the Jews, and the church. So the church comprises anyone who believes and receives Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Okay? So when we are clear about this, when we correctly divide, and I'll give you the subsequent scriptures as we build on the series, then we will understand the mercy and the grace of God. Paul exposited on this very clearly in three chapters, Romans chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11. And he says that because of Israel's continual rejection of the Messiah, of, of God, of Yahweh. God has set them aside. He says, temporary blindness has come upon Israel as a nation until the tribulation years, when God's wrath is going to be released. During the tribulation years, God's wrath is going to be released to, uh, unto Israel until they are refined, as well as another group of people, which is the unbelieving world that rejects God. And today you find this increasingly people are blatantly rejecting God, rejecting the church, burning the Bibles, persecuting and so forth. All right? They will meet their consequence, the full consequence uh, when the right time comes. But everybody is given the opportunity all right, to turn to God. Um, Romans 11.25, Paul says, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. He's talking about this mystery. Right, there's a whole series of mysteries which Paul talks about. The church is a mystery. The rapture is a mystery. And this mystery about the partial blindness on Israel as a whole. And thank God there are a lot of Jews that are increasingly believing in Jesus uh, generally as, as the Messiah, but not the larger part of the nation of Israel. All right? They should not be ignorant of this mystery. They should be, you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part partially has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. I submit to you, when the fullness of the Gentiles has come into the church, the rapture occurs. All right? And it will trigger the, all the events. There are many, many more prophecies that's yet to be fulfilled. And you're all anticipating it. We are living in very exciting times. So, in the early church age, the Apostle Peter 
at Pentecost, you look at Acts chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, he still has some of the remnant of the old covenant, all right? And, and the, the 12 disciples of Jesus cannot fully comprehend the mercy and the grace of God in the, in the creation of this new group of people called the church until the Lord revealed it to the apostle Paul, previously Saul. How through the Damascus Road encounter, Acts chapter 9, and you find that there's a distinct change from then onwards. So the new covenant, and we thank God for the new covenant. Today we can look back and understand the prophecies that are being fulfilled. Today we can look back and understand the plans of God for the salvation of the whole world. And we can fully understand what, why the church is so precious in the eyes of God. We are trophies of the mercy and the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Paul says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation, that's the word, the dispensation or the administration of the grace of God. Here God is pouring out His grace. If God who did not spare Jesus, He will freely, through Jesus, give us all things. Romans 8.32 We've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me, the Apostle Paul, not the Apostle Peter. Which is why Peter, if you read the epistle of Peter, at the end, Peter says, Paul talks about things he did not fully understand. Peter did not fully understand. He did not fully grasp. And as you look back now, now that we have revelation, looking back, we can know the difference between the gospel of the kingdom which Jesus preached. When you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the gospel of grace which was committed to the apostle Paul. Today we have the, the gospel of the grace. The dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me, the apostle Paul, for you. All right, the believers in Ephesus. That how that by revelation has made known to me the mystery. That's why we praise Him, we thank Him, we worship God. When we grasp how deeply loved we are, that God is pouring out His mercy and His grace in these 2,000 years, which is coming to an end. And how we need to keep on thinking of our loved ones, our families, our friends, those who regularly cross our path to share the gospel of Christ. There is a certain urgency. We're talking about the next 10, 12, 13, 15 years. All right, there's a certain urgency. And I'm going to walk through the numbers with you hopefully next year. All right, uh, there's a variation depending on which point of time you want to pick. Okay, um, so this is the mystery. And that is why our living in these end times is so exciting. Coming back to our subject, to be effective priests and kings, we must live righteously. In the New Covenant, in the New Testament, this is not a salvation issue. All right? I've dealt previously <clears throat> that for the believer who is genuinely born again, if he doesn't live righteously, he's going to face consequences at the judgment seat of Christ. I will not dwell with that now for this topic. All right? So I'm going to go on the positive side, why we must live righteously. So although I say it's not a salvation issue, but there are implications. Why we want to live righteously? Because this is an issue of living victoriously of being overcomers. Being overcomers suggests there are obstacles, suggests there are problems. In the world, there will be problems. In the world, there is trouble. Living victoriously so that we are blessed, we are always blessed to be a blessing to others. The believer, the church is always blessed because the church that is ready for the coming of the Lord is without spot, without blemish. And we must grasp this. We are a blessed people. We are deeply loved, completely forgiven, anointed with wisdom, 
protected by the Lord as we navigate through the landmines of a fallen world. And this is all about being effective priests and kings. Why? Because God is always righteous. The God that we worship is always loving and kind, three streams of the character of God. He's always loving and kind and simultaneously always just and simultaneously always righteous. God cannot violate His own commandments. He cannot violate His covenant. <clears throat> Psalms 97 verse 2 reminds that righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of God. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sow, he will reap. Choices and consequences. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not just eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Just now during worship, our sister Yuling was just sharing, receive the peace of the Lord. Lord, you are my peace. Receive the joy of the Lord, the strength of the Lord. These are all blessings, grace, aspects, dimensions, paradigms of the grace of God available for every believer. And which is why Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The rule and the reign of God in our lives. And what? Not just the kingdom of God, and His righteousness. So that we live right. When we live right, it just means we are, that our lives are aligned. When it's aligned with God, things will fall into place. There will be equilibrium. Then verdicts from the courts of heaven. The throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16 is a court. Verdicts are being issued continually, 24, 7, 3, 6, 5. In the world, in our lives, in the lives of families, of couples, of churches, of corporations, of, of believers, verdicts from the courts of heaven are always aligned with the will of Father God. How do we know the will of Father God is in the Word of Christ? Scriptures. Therefore, it behooves us to know the laws of God, the principles of life. And it's always according to the ways and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we will have verdicts from uh, the courts of heaven in our favor when we align with God, when we live right. Thankfully, uh, uh, if all goes well, in the month of November, the fourth book, <clears throat> which I'm co-authoring with uh, Pastor Eunice, will be released about effective prayer pursuing breakthroughs. All right? The whole series I did about two years ago about effective prayer. So why is a prayer effective? We don't want to pray. Because many years ago, we struggled as believers. You don't want to pray a prayer, hit the ceiling and bounce back between your eyes. No. Our prayers can always be effective. And we will know when we, it is in the will of the Father, according to the word of Christ, as led by the Holy Spirit with His wisdom. The fervent prayer of a righteous man. What is a righteous man? This is not a gender term, all right? It refers to male and female. The fervent prayer of a righteous believer, when we are aligned with the will, the word, and the ways of God, our prayers are always effective. So may this be our desire, may this be our goal to pursue this righteousness. Acts 19.15, who knows whether you are aligned with God? God knows, we ought to know, the angels know, and according to Acts 1915, the whole demonic world around you will know. The devils around you will know. They're hanging around us all the time. But they cannot touch us. All right? Um, Matthew 16, 19 and Matthew 18, 18. We will have favor from the courts of heaven. 
Jesus said that He given us this keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever we, whatever we bind on earth, we are living on earth, is bound, settled in the court of heaven. Whatever we lose on earth, is loose in the course of heaven. All right, I will deal with this in the past. There are examples of what we bind positively. There are examples of what we bind negatively. We bind our marriage by the unity of the church. This morning, the elders came together. Uh, every month, we have time of mentoring. And it's so good, all right, uh, to belong to this church. It's so good to belong to these fellow brothers who will journey together every month, all right, to study the Word of God, to open up our hearts and our lives. And I was just... Uh, just Short of a month ago, I was in another church. Uh, they, asked, they were consulting me, me a couple of things. They don't even meet to pray. And one more, the whole series of problems that they have. All right. Uh, so it's so important for brethren to dwell in unity. Don't take all this for granted. And when there is unity, where our prayers will be effective. This is the prayer of agreement. Same thing, husband and wives. So important to work together. Simply as a family. If you are single, sisters and sisters, brothers and brothers in your cell group, Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you lose is loose, according to the will of God the Father, according to the Scriptures. Living righteously is our discipleship journey. I shared this diagram at the previous part. The natural man is the person who doesn't know God. The point of zero in the diagram is when you are born again, you are justified. And from zero to 50, all of us face a lot more struggles. All right? You need to cross the 50% mark. The 50% mark is where the majority of our living is righteous. Where the majority of our living is according to the Word of God. I caught up with a friend just a few days ago. All right? He used to be, belong to the same mother church. And uh, he's done very well. And, and, and those days he was smoking and drinking and, and, and all that. Uh, he was struggling a lot more. And now today, I look at him. I mean, just a couple of years, my senior... Uh, he has matured a fair bit. I think he just crossed the 50% mark and shared with me how he was uh, trying to minister with his business partner's uh, contact in Singapore who was dying in the hospital and so and so forth. We need to cross the 50% mark where the majority of our living is spiritual. The majority of, of our living is righteous in the eyes of God according to scriptures. All right? So this is called the discipleship journey. This is called sanctification. And this is the journey where we overcome the evil one, the devil, which is, which is easy. So most of the time, all of us, we should overcome the evil one. It's the easiest thing to do. The lies, the deception, the condemnation, the accusation. Overcome it day by day. Then we overcome the world, the pool of the world, the corruption in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the love of money, and so forth. And the most difficult, we need to keep on overcoming our flesh, our self-life. Okay. Then big picture, I mentioned in the, in the words in yellow, we need to overcome the Adamic nature. We, all were de- we are all descendants of Adam, Adam, all right, the first man. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we are all naturally selfish. We all have a propensity to do wrong. All right? Then we need to overcome the specific inherited sins where you can identify specifically it came from your great-grandmother or your great-grandfather. I was ministering to a family uh, not too long ago. And they were trying to trace this thing that is happening in the family lines. And they were struggling, all right? And in the end, they identified that it was the grandmother of this guy's mother where this whole thing started. All right? It was a particular illness that afflicted the great-grandmother, the grandmother, and it came through the mother and then now to 
the sons. So when we can trace that, then we go back to the Word. We go back to what Jesus has done for us on the cross to Galatians chapter 3 and break that curse. All right? And of course, all this becomes personal sin when we ourselves commit it. So it is an ongoing journey. And which is why I want to encourage all of us as a church, those of you who are here and those of you who are online, we have this quarterly ministry called RTF, Restoring the Foundations. It is issue-focused, issue-based, all right? Nobody is to be embarrassed. You come in the privacy and confidentiality. It is known to two ministry givers. In fact, today, Saturday, today itself is a ministry day, all right? Where quite a number of men and women are being ministered to. We do this every quarter, so don't miss on that. So we walk in the light. What is the light? <clears throat> three, three levels. It's always the light of the Word of God. Psalms 119-105. Your Word is a light to my feet, a lamp to my path. What is the second light? It's the light of godly people. It's so important to gather in a variety of ways, as creatively as possible, as safely as possible during this COVID-19 season. I'm very encouraged with various cell groups. All right? There are 15 members, they meet in three different homes, five each, and after that, they gather together for a meal. All right? Meet in some food court or some coffee shop somewhere. Be as creative as possible. Gather. Don't be a lone ranger Christian. You are very vulnerable to fall. Gather. Gather in twos and threes. So since phase two, I've been out almost every day. In one, especially one of the meals, whether it's breakfast, tea, coffee, lunch, or dinner. <laughs> Meeting people, go and meet up with people in your cell groups, in your cluster, in the body of Christ. Go and engage with people. We are made to relate to one another in the light of godly people and finally in the light of the presence of the Lord Jesus. I was told by a pastor, we had a mentoring group just a few days ago. He says when, when in his local assembly, when the pastor broke bread, the Lord's Supper, he actually wept. World of difference between having lost the Holy Communion at home and gathering in, in that particular gathering. There was only 30 of them, all right? And when they broke back, it just swept. It's, 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 it's a world of difference. It's just like us coming on site for worship. You sense the presence of God. I, I tell you, most of the time, I'll be sitting right in front, in front of the pulpit, if I'm not preaching. But today, because I'm speaking, I'm still sitting at the back. And it's so gratifying to see many of you raising your hands to the Lord, bowing one or two of you, are kneeling on the floor, uh, the sense of the presence of God is always so good together with the people of God. Walk in the light and appropriate the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from every exposed sin and unrighteousness. This is 1 John 1. <clears throat> it says that when we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sins. The blood of Jesus will, exp will cleanse us from all unrighteousness in verse 9 as we confess them. All right? And over the, this pulpit, we have learned three things. We always appropriate the blood of Jesus for three things. Number one, for forgiveness. Number two, for cleansing. And number three, for covering. To cover any ground that the devil may previously have against us when we sin. Okay? This one we know. Alright? This one is a quick reminder again. We must live our lives so that the devil has got no ground, no hold over us. This is what Jesus declared in John chapter 14, verse 30. Jesus told the disciples, I will not talk much with you, for the ruler of this world, the devil, is coming and he has nothing in me. So all of us, we should attempt in our journey and walk with God that the devil must have no ground, no foothold, no doorway in our lives. He cannot touch us, and that's how we overcome him. 
Alright? We know that He can steal, kill, and destroy when He can find a doorway into our lives. Ephesians 4.27 The devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. That's why in 1 Peter 5, he has to go around seeking whom, looking for open doors to steal, kill, and destroy. But if we, and so how do we overcome him? Revelation 12, 11, by the blood of the Lamb. All right? So when, when, when you are conscious of, by the Holy Spirit, of something that is wrong. In fact, it happened to me about two weeks ago. I sent my car for, 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 uh, for servicing, all right? And then the, I mentioned that the car needed to go to Vicom for inspection, okay? Oh, they said they do it for me, all right? And uh, the thing, whole thing was done, <clears throat> and then I received the bill, all right? I was in the rush. I took the bill, paid the bill, and went home. I went home, I scrutinized the bill. They did not include the inspection fee for the Vicom, for the Vicom testing. That's another $70, okay? So in my mind, I said, like, you really charge me so much for this, that, and the other, you know, change this part, and so forth. Uh, maybe it's all embedded in there. La. But my conscience, my conscience was not free. So that night, I said, Lord, and I even prayed about it. I said, Lord, I bring this before you. I said, Lord, maybe they put it in the, they charged me, they were overcharging me in the other items, all right? But the next morning when I woke up, my conscience wasn't clear. So what do I do? I text back the, 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 the workshop mechanic, all right? And I say, hey, hey by the way, uh, did, did you include the inspection fee? Said, yeah, 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 so, uh, Mr. Fu, uh, sorry, we, we did not include it. Uh, there's another $70. You got to come, come and pay. I say, okay, okay, on the way, I will swing by and pay. So after I paid the $70, then the conscience was clear. <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit will convict us. All right. Uh, in the past, I forget it. You, you go to a restaurant, uh, you ordered, uh, like I say, in the past, three chili crab, two ham tam crab, or whatever. All right. If the guy forget to put it into the bill, his problem. No, we need to live righteously. The Holy Spirit will speak to us in our conscience. Romans nine one says, "Our conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit." Yeah, in the past, we, we get away because we rationalize that his problem, not my problem, and so forth. No, living righteously means living righteously before the Lord. He's a God before whom we worship, before whom we serve, before whom we give our lives to. All right? Um, the devil want, will want to have a foothold over us. And we are warned in 2 Corinthians 11, Satan himself uh, transforms himself into, into an angel of light. And his ministers also transform themselves as ministers of righteousness. And this is where we need to sharpen in discernment. I'm going to talk about wisdom in a moment. All right? So today, we are surrounded by... A th- somebody text me today. There is a program on Netflix. Um, what is it called? There is an algorithm in a lot of social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All right? Say, for example, you like to shop for handbags, and then soon you find that all these handbag advertisements come to you. Right? You like to shop for your, your facial products, they'll come to you. Uh, at one stage, I would like to look at animals, you know, the safari and so forth, lions and tigers, uh, how they chase and the pred- as predators and so forth. I find all these things being forwarded to me. That's how the algorithm works. And this is what is happening now politically as well. Okay? So uh, there is a lot of fake news. There are things that are half true, half false, and so forth. And this is where we need to sharpen our discernment. <clears throat> as we walk righteously, we will grow in increasing faith and boldness. Romans 1.17 again, the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. One level of faith to another level of faith. And sometimes, many times, I mean, I'm rather impatient, all right? And you wish the praise answered immediately, but no, all right? You have to go through the journey of waiting. And that's where Hebrews 6.12 says, through faith and patience, through faith and perseverance, 
then we inherit the promises of God. This is the journey we've got. All of us have got a different journey. For some of us, uh, certain things, certain agenda is answered faster than other things, other agenda. Why? Because it is slower for some things that involves the will of other people. It's slower because it involves a system, a bureaucracy, uh, especially when it cross border and so forth. So the Lord will give us wisdom and insight, all right, as we walk with Him. Now, this is the part where God wants us to produce fruits of righteousness. And I want to show you uh, from scriptures, there are uh, various areas where God wants us to live righteously and produce and evidence fruits of righteousness. The first area is from seeds sown and multiplied to us in our giving. This is from 2 Corinthians 9.10. God supplies seed to the sower, bread for food. He will supply and multiply the seed we have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. This is true in my life. I remember when we did this expansion of this sanctuary, I knew there were about 10, 12 people who sowed uh, initially a very significant amount. And all these 10, 12 people, I know within three to five years, the amount that they sown was given back to them and multiplied even more. BBDC, we say we are always blessed. I remember we talk about sowing, right? And all through the years, this year alone, in the last six months, the Lord has multiplied our seeds where we are able to give. I remember at the end of March uh, uh, to the church in Nepal, uh, the ministry were involved, in, were involved in saving the girls, which is part of human trafficking in Nepal. The girls are fairer and they are being bought when they were 8, 9 years old for $50,000 to their parents. And then when they were 12 or 13, they are shipped to Bombay, New Delhi, Calcutta and Chennai to be prostitutes. And we are involved in this ministry in Nepal. And same thing, in early April, we gave another lump sum to this ministry in Northeast India, where our mission partners are. I remember then in the month of April and May and June, uh, there were appeals. We sent a, a lump sum to, to the church in, uh, in Togo, in Africa, a ministry I was involved in. And then to, to uh, the church in China, a part of China that we were involved in, where some of our ministry partners are. Uh, and so and so forth. So we are able to multiply and give as a church. And I know various cell groups, you're able to do that with your gifts to the foreign workers in the dormitories and so forth. So God wants to multiply our good deeds. This is called the fruits of your righteousness. The second area is our personal journey. From obedience to the Word of God when we are rebuked, corrected, and trained in righteousness. I just shared with you about the conscience. That we have, must have strive to have a conscience clear before God and man. This is Acts 24, 16. So Hebrews 12 talks about how God trains us, how God uh, tutors us and coaches us to walk in righteousness. All right? He talks about the correction of the Lord, the chastening of the Lord. So Hebrews 12, 11, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, it's painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained, tutored, Coach, mentored by it, like our conscience. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 reminds us what trains us, the Word of God. Because all Scripture is profitable for rebuke, for correction. Rebuke means when we do things that are wrong. Correction, it means we think wrongly. And for training in righteousness. That's what all of us must do. All right? And collectively, as uh, the leadership in your tribe, in your cluster, and so forth. Thirdly, is when we seek and walk in the wisdom from God. I'm reminded of this very, very often uh, in the past. 
What is the wisdom that's from above? Distinguish from the wisdom that's from, from below. All right? The wisdom from above, James 3.17, is always peaceable. So when you find yourself in a situation where there's a lot of strife, a lot of quarrel, a lot of arguments, it's not the wisdom from above. Husband and wives, parents and children, colleagues, business suppliers and so forth, it must be peaceable, it must be gentle. I've got to work a lot on that. It has to be willing to you. I remember this church, they were working on a project among the group of the, the council of this church. All right? There's one very pushy guy and he said, that you don't, you don't uh, agree? Or he said he prayed already, he prayed hard, he listened to the Lord, you don't agree, he will resign. He was not willing to yield. Clearly you can see he doesn't have the wisdom from above, it's from his flesh. Same thing, when I was involved in another consultation not too long ago, all right, two elders from this particular church didn't want to show up. They didn't want to get involved in this, this thing that was going on. All right? They were not willing to heal. And the next thing, it must be full of mercy and good fruits. Is there mercy? Are we reflecting the Father God? Is there good fruits? Is there partiality, biasness? Now, this is where as parents or grandparents, we need to be mindful. Are we being prejudiced? Do we love somebody more than somebody else within the family line? In our treatment of subordinates or colleagues, are we being partial? And it says it's without hypocrisy. This is the test. Measure our responses by this test in James 3.17. And we consciously do that. And this is a journey. And this is what I try to do myself all the time in my treatment with the pastors and the ministry workers, what to accept, what to turn down and so forth. This is a test. Then verse 18 will kick in. Then the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make in peace. The third example. The fourth example, when we grow in discernment. <clears throat> How to love people. Everybody has got requests and demands. Over this last week alone, I've turned down three, three, three requests. Want to join another board, want to uh, get involved in some ministry. I said, no, 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 this is not my call. No, 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 I said, this is not my calling. Thank you very much. Right? You think so highly, they want to stroke me left, right, etc. I said, thank you, but this is not my calling. The Lord has not called me into this. All right? uh, how? Paul says in verse 9 of Philippians 1 that our love must grow more and more in knowledge and in discernment. Love in discernment. Remember, I use the phrase, win the war, choose your battles to fight. Some battles are not worth fighting. Let the other person think that she or he wins the battle. Let it be. It's okay. God knows. Discern. Go shop in discernment. What is at stake? What is the question behind the question? All right. Uh, verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent, you may be sincere and without offence until the day of Christ. There you got this word, day of Christ. That's the rapture. All right, I'll talk about it next year. Uh, verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. There's a lot of ministry that is done in the flesh. Mission agencies, missionaries, pastors. You find that amount of gossip that goes on, the amount of bad blood. <laughs> All right, people banging table. I mean, <laughs> pastors banging table, yeah. Uh, our love needs to grow more and more in discernment. Okay, so the four examples there. Therefore, I'm coming to the end, we must love and pursue righteousness. Hebrews 1.9. This was talked about and described of Jesus, the Son of Man. He says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. The, the other word for lawlessness is wickedness. Wickedness is anything that displeases God. And when we do that in this journey, in this process, God says that He will anoint us with the oil of gladness more than our companions. 
So I encourage all of us on site and online, grow. Keep on growing spiritually. Keep on living right. Keep on aligning with God. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, according to Isaiah 32, righteousness will remain. The work of righteousness will be peace, the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Then we are steady. Then we are calm, cool, collected, composed, centered in Christ. Then we won't gabra. We won't panic. COVID-19 or no 19, forget to wear your mask, forget to do safe entry. Somebody cough, somebody sneeze. Don't panic. All right, don't, don't flow the way the people. Some people are really... I went to pump my... my, my uh, uh, to a petrol station, there was this attendant, he's just so paranoid, put on his mask, and then he also have a face shield on top of the mask, and so on, and he was talking to me in Mandarin, ah, they say, this is very lehoi, very little, all right, this virus, and just paranoid, extreme paranoia. Uh, Matthew 7, 22, 23 talks about a category of believers who cast out demons, who done wonders in Jesus' name, and what did Jesus say? I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. All right. Uh, 1 John 3, 4 reminds us whoever commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness is the opposite of living righteously. Okay? The message and the messenger should be one. We should live righteously. That means the believer's life, the pastor's life, the leader's life, the, the Christian life should be one with the message. The message is the gospel, the word of God. All right? But the message, the gospel has power inherent. It has inherent power to save, to deliver, to cast out demons. God's word will not return to him void. So you have a donkey that can speak to a prophet, a donkey who, who's not walking with God. The word of God that is preached will still save people. It may even heal people and cast out demons. But for the messenger, as you move further and further away from God, like what happened to Samson? He forgot that the presence of God has left him. So this is a reminder that the message and the messenger must be one. All right? Um, let me just end with the bottom line here. God wants us to be established in righteousness. When we are established in righteousness, and who is our righteousness? Jesus. He is our Jehovah Sitkinu, our righteous, the righteous one. He says then, we, oppression will be far from us. We will not be harassed. We will not fear. We will not fear terror, a terrorist bomb. We will not fear COVID-19. We will not fear the dengue uh, that comes from the Aedes mosquito. We will not fear all these things coming to us. He says here, it shall not come near you. This is a parallel to Psalms 91. That if you make the Most High our dwelling place, no disease, no evil, no plague shall come near you, nor your dwelling. To this day, I would encourage all of us to pray that no COVID-19 will come to any believer in BBDC for all who are fully plugged into the body life of BBDC. For those who are at the fringe, I don't know. But you're firmly plugged into the body life. You are covered. You are blessed because the anointing, the flow of the life of God will bless you and protect you. Lastly, Proverbs 28, 1. When we are living righteously, he says the righteous are bold as a lion. To be a priest, to be a disciple, we must be bold. Not reckless boldness, but boldness that is rooted in the will of the Father where we know we are standing upon the Word of God and doing the work of the Lord. Then we can take authority when we are blessed to be a blessing to others. For all those who are on site, would you please stand as we close in prayer?
For all those of the online, would you close your eyes and bow your heads before the living God? You've heard the word of God. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to reflect. None of us are perfect. Even Noah, Daniel and Job. But God considered them blameless. God will consider us blameless when we consciously walk in the light and the blood of Jesus covers us continuously when the devil has no ground. Because God wants you to move on to another level where you're continually blessed, you're continually an overcomer because He wants you to share the gospel. He wants you to be a blessing to others in your family. He wants you to be the light in your marketplace, in your workplace, to your neighbours. Time is short. I just want to give you 30 seconds on your own. Would you just commit your life afresh to God? He says, Lord, help me. Help me to be conscious of your righteousness. The conscious of your righteousness from the Word of God and the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Then you have a new level of boldness because nothing can touch you. If God is for you, nothing can be against you. But if that's not for yourself, don't be like King Hezekiah. He thinks that it's for himself, his wealth is okay. He doesn't care for the future generations. No, we are well, we are well taken care of, but we want to be a blessing to others. Which is why we need to live righteously. And so, Father God, you know the hearts and minds of everyone online and on site. And we ask of you, Holy Spirit, to do a deep work, a deeper work in each of our hearts and lives. And that we will be like the Lord Jesus to love righteousness and hate wickedness. To love righteousness and hate lawlessness. And whenever we fall, Lord, help us to come back to you to appropriate the blood for forgiveness, for cleansing and for covering. So that the evil one has got nothing in us. So that we will move on from faith to faith and be established in righteousness as we give ourselves, committing our lives to you with thanksgiving, with praise in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord.